0: Turn with me if you will as this is our final week in this sermon series living a godly life in an ungodly world and we're going to be turning today as you see in your bulletin to 2nd Chronicles chapter 17. And we've been following the life of Asa, King Asa. He was king of Judah. Remember at this time the promised land if you will is divided. And it's divided into the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And we've been looking specifically at King Asa's life over the last few weeks. And last week, uh, for the first three weeks, we saw so many wonderful things that King Asa did in the land of Judah that brought revival and reformation and renewal to the people in the worship of their one true living Lord. And then we were kind of disappointed with the end of his life and how he grew kind of cold in his affection toward the Lord and did not call upon the Lord in time of need and grew bitter there in his last few years. And But it does say, and this won't be on the screen, in the latter part of chapter 16, after Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign, They buried him in the tomb that he had cut for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a bear, and there he had been with various kinds of spices prepared by the perfumer's art, and they made a great fire in his honor. And then we turn to a new chapter today in this final sermon of this series. And we look to his son Jehoshaphat. And so if you are physically able, I would encourage you to stand in honor and reverence of the reading of God's holy word today. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his father, had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. "'because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. "'He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father "'and walked in his commandments, "'and not according to the practices of Israel. "'Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, "'and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, "'and he had great riches and honor. "'His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord.' And furthermore, he took the high places of the Asherim out of Judah. In the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, ben Obadiah, Zachariah, Nathanael, Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah, and with them the Levites, Shemaiah, Nathania, Zebadiah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adoniah, Tobiah. Tobodaniah, and with these Levites, the priests, Elishema and Jehoram. And they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went about through all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. And they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute And the Arabians also brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. And Jehoshaphat grew steadily greater. He built in Judah fortresses and store cities. And he had large supplies in the city of Judah. He had soldiers, mighty men of valor in Jerusalem. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today and give us ears to hear. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we are reminded that you have exalted the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you have given him the name that is above every name, and as the scriptures teach us through the great apostle that at the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and it will be for your glory. Lord, until that great day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses, let that be the case here this morning. Show us your glory, and may we speak of your beauty, and of the glory of the Father, the glory of the Son, and the glory of the Spirit. Let us confess, each person in this room today, that not only you are Lord, but that you are Lord of our lives. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would use and speak through me today, that we would hear your voice and not mine. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, as I said, we came to the end of Asa's life, and it was a bit disappointing after all the years of his Wonderful faithfulness and fervency for the Lord, and how he worked so diligently to cleanse Judah from idols, pagan worship, and to restore worship of the one true God. And as I said there, toward the end of his life in Second Chronicles sixteen, we saw where Asa grew cold in his affection for the Lord. And I want to say this: I don't think Asa is. We're not told that Asa ever turned away from the Lord to worship false gods. He just grew cold and bitter in his relationship with the Lord toward the end of his reign. And we were disappointed with that. And yet, we kind of see in Asa's encore today. And we don't see it at the end of 2 Chronicles 16, but we see it in chapter 17, through his son, Jehoshaphat. You see, Asa, even though he did grow cold and bitter and hard in his last few years and destroyed the closeness that he once had with the Lord, he didn't completely fail by no means. But he left a legacy for his son, Jehoshaphat, to build upon. And we see that happening in Jehoshaphat's life. We see one that Jehoshaphat himself did not seek the help of, nor did he worship, false pagan gods. But he sought to worship and honor the Lord. The Lord of not only his father, but also the Lord of his father David. Speaking of King David, generations before. We are told in the scripture that we just read that he not only sought the Lord, but he lived according to the word of the Lord. He continued, we're told, to cleanse the land, a a job that his father had started in the land of Judah, of false gods, tearing down the Asherah poles and tearing down the high places of pagan worship of Baal, the fertility god. And his heart, it says, was courageous in the ways of the Lord. He was courageous in his decisions as king to continue to lead the people in the worship of the Lord. But he even did more than that. He sent officials throughout the land. The Levites, spiritual leaders, the priests, to instruct and teach the people the oracles of God. He wanted the people to know the word of the Lord and what God has spoken and how God has revealed himself. This was a great point of the Reformation, getting the Bible in the common people's hand that in their language that they could understand. He sent them out to teach the people the oracles of God, and we are told in several different ways that the Lord blessed Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah in a wonderful way. Yes, this is Asa's encore because his son is picking up the work that Asa had started. Asa did leave a legacy. And yes, he did fail toward the end of his life and his closeness and his relationship with the Lord. But he did so many wonderful things. And no doubt his son watched his father, King Asa, lead the nation for years and years. He watched his father tear down the bales and tear down the high places of worship, tear down the Asherah poles. He watched him lead the people back to a holy worship of Jehovah God. Asa left a legacy, and this is his encore in the life of Jehoshaphat. I want to ask you this, who has impacted your life? Who has left a legacy for you? How has it changed you? How has it strengthened you? How has it formed you into the person that you are today? And the truth is, we all leave some kind of legacy. It can either be a negative legacy or a positive one, a godly one or an ungodly one. Yesterday, as it has been said today, we laid to rest the body of our beloved brother Vernon Cummins. And we celebrated yesterday, and we continue to celebrate, even today in many ways without even knowing the legacy that Vernon Cummins has left in our church and in this community and in his family. A legacy that blessed us, a legacy to build upon. He left diamonds in the path for us to pick up and put in our pocket. And rejoice in. What a legacy he left, as I shared yesterday, along with a few others. I, m- many probably don't know this, but Brother Vernon was instrumental in, in, with others in leading the church back in the 90s to b- purchase this property that we're on right now. A legacy for us to build upon. Asa did that for Jehoshaphat. There was one one man, he was a superstar long before the age of superstars, before that term was used. At age five, he wrote a concerto for the harpsichord. Before he was ten, he was composing and publishing violin sonatas. At twelve, he produced his first opera. When he was thirteen, he was... Uh, Concert master of Europe's greatest symphony orchestra. By the time he died of exhaustion, this manic, and he was overachiever, wrote numerous operettas and cantatas and hymns. He composed 48 symphonies and a dozen operas. In his brief life, he gave birth to 600 compositions. His music was absolutely Sheer perfection. His genius truly has really never been matched. This whiz kid's name was Wolfgangus Mozart. But there was a dark side to the boy genius. In the 1700s, he really did live the destructive lifestyle of a modern rock superstar that we see today. He was only 35, 35 years old when he collapsed of pneumonia and died. His drug-addicted wife was in such a stupor that she barely knew her husband had even passed away. And all the wonderful, amazing things that he did in his time musically, at his burial, at his funeral, there was only a handful of people that went. And not only that, a snowstorm prevented them from going to the grave site. And by the time the weather had cleared after this terrible snowstorm, the gravediggers could not remember where they had buried Mozart. The grave of history's greatest musical genius has never been found. Mozart doesn't even have a weathered stone to mark the fact that he was here. And yet, and yet, And all that glory and all that tragedy. And we see that kind of in Asa's life. There was so much glory and there was some tragedy. But with Mozart in all of his glory. Musically. Of all of the fame. And all of the tragedy. And how he died. With so few people around. Even with an unmarked grave. Yet. In my office, when I want to relax and read God's Word, many times it is Mozart that I turn on my speaker. Since the 1700s, how many times have people listened, whether plain or now in our days, through different ways of listening to music, turned on Mozart and beheld his brilliance and been blessed and calmed. Or how many times have we people raced along the highway as a Mozart symphony blasts gloriously from the speakers? Or those through the last centuries that have attended his greatest opera and allow the marriage of Figaro to inflame their senses and soaring passions. It's been a long time since the body has been laid in the ground and decomposed in an unmarked grave. But even even in that, his genius still lives on. And we are still blessed with his music today. People study it, classes, in colleges and on campuses about the music of Mozart. I want to say this. It matters little where any of us are buried. It does matter what we compose while we're still here on earth. The notes that we leave upon people's lives when we touch them, when we rescue them, or encourage others, they become living notes of a beautiful symphony that we are composing for the ages. We're leaving a legacy for others to benefit from. Such was the case with King Asa and his son, King Jehoshaphat. And no, I'll be honest, my life symphony, so to speak, may not have the perfection of Mozart's musical genius, but I pray that it will bring joy and beauty long after I'm gone. And I wish the same for us. And so we must live today with this in mind, that everything will perish, and we will too, unless the Lord returns before we die. And this world will pass one day, but the symphony that we compose lasts forever. It's not the length of our life that determines the legacy we leave. It is more the length of the shadow of our influence that determines the legacy that we leave behind for others. Yes, Asa did falter in his faith in the last few years of his life and suffered And brought war upon the kingdom. But he still did so much good to leave a legacy for Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat took that legacy and built upon it even more than his father had done. We've been given many wonderful legacies. People in our lives that have touched us. That have strengthened us. That have encouraged us. That have shared their faith with us. That have built things for us to partake of and enjoy. And like Jehoshaphat saw in his father for many years, he saw a friend of God. He saw a seeker of God's heart. He saw a passionate lover of the Lord. And I've got to ask myself, in the legacy that I'm leaving, because I am leaving some kind of legacy, do others see a friend of God? Do my family see a seeker of God's heart? Do my children see a lover of Christ that saved me and scooped me out of death and hell and made me a child of the King? Will they see these things in my life? Will they see it in ours? And I want to say this today that there's some younger people out here And you might think, well, this is a sermon for the older people. Young people, you start building your legacy now. With the decisions you make, with the choices you make, with the people that God has put in your path and spoken to your life, the way the Holy Spirit speaks to you, now you begin leaving your legacy. Now you trust in the Lord. Now you put your faith in Him. Now you walk boldly in the Christian life. You begin your legacy even now while you're young. But even for others today, for all of us now, do our friends, do our families, does this community, does this world see us as friends of God? as lovers of Christ, as worshipers? Will we leave a legacy for those coming behind us to build upon? I want to ask you today, as we think of that, do people see your faith active? Some of you might very well have whispered a prayer in the quietness of your room, and you've called upon Jesus Christ, to save you and cleanse you and to come into your heart. But yet you've never taken the obedient step to come down and to go into the baptismal waters and share your obedience and your testimony for others to see, for your families to see, your children and your grandchildren to see that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that you followed through obediently with baptism. And you might say, that's a personal thing. No, it's not. It's never been a personal thing. Yes, it begins personally in our heart, but it always flows out for others to see what we say we believe in Christ and what He's done for us. Some of you today need to follow through with baptism and leave that legacy for your children and your grandchildren or for others in these pews to see. Others wavering on decisions to come into the fellowship of the church and to be involved in Sunday school and other services and activities. What legacy are you leaving? Do you need to come into the fellowship of the church? Lead by example. Jehoshaphat saw his father tear down those godless poles of worship for years. And he watched him gather the people of Judah to worship Jehovah. He left a legacy, a strong kingdom. And Jehoshaphat took that and built upon it. Others today might be lukewarm in your relationship with the Lord. And you too need to come and rededicate your life today. And say, I want to drop diamonds in my path for those behind me to pick up and not buttons. And maybe today you need to come and just give your life back to the Lord. And say, Lord, I've been cold. I've been bitter Don't let this be my legacy. I've been lukewarm in my Christian fervor. Light the match in my soul again and let me serve you with joy and passion and excitement that others will see my love for you. They'll see my works and be drawn to the glory of God. You see, the truth is, as we end this series how to live ungod- or a godly life in an ungodly world is you leave a godly legacy. You're here today because you have some degree of faith or some degree of interest in the ways of the Lord. As we shared with, about Brother Vernon's life and Fay and uh, s- several of you here, people that God has used to provide and are providing here today are allowing you the legacy that many have laid down before us, are allowing us to gather in this place today and hear and live out our faith and interest. And the question is this, what are you going to do with it? What faith, what biblical principles will you set down in the path for others to follow and see the imprint that your feet have made upon this earth. May God grant us strength today to live a godly life in an ungodly world and to leave a legacy that will impact future generations. Father, we ask today that you would move in our hearts in a mighty and powerful way, Lord Jesus. That you would empower wavering souls to come to Christ today. To come to you and be saved. That you would strengthen others to come today and say, I, I've called upon the Lord, but I'm going to follow through with baptism because I want others to see and be impacted. I want my children and my grandchildren to know. To know the way, the truth, and the life. I don't want to hide that from them. Lord, for others that might be lukewarm in their affection towards you, reignite, Lord, the flame in their spirit today and unite us with the Holy Spirit that we will work at Westside here and in this community to leave a legacy, a godly legacy, that people will see that we certainly were a friend of God that we were a servant of the King of Kings, that we were worshipers of you and lovers of the Lord who first loved us. I ask, Lord, that you grant us your grace at this time. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.